And um, so, you know, the, the path of the dervish is to find God in themselves, to pass away in God, merge with God, you know, and then uh, come back. I mean, if we do it in a classic way, it's to, you take hand, you <laughs> take full responsibility, you, um, you begin, engage in this honorable struggle with what we call the limited self, you know, which is all the, that again, the human being, just as we say these traditions are universalist, well, the human being is the most universal thing in the universe. <laughs> as we said, it contain, we contain everything. So we have, you know, strands from every part of the universe. And to balance these is a huge um, challenge. It's a huge challenge. This is why it's so great to be human. It's amazing. And this is why it said that the angels are amazed at humanity. So we take the strands of the earth, you know, the strands of, of dark power, the strands of, you know, but from the heart of light, and bring all these things together, earth, fire, air, water, ether, um, and all the impulses that each of those uh, contain, and bring this together. And uh, then we engage in that kind of holy battle. And that's what is called jihad. And that's what we hear in the newspaper. You know, if someone goes out and uh, blows something up, you know, and if that's called jihad. Well, jihad is not that. Jihad is seeing the holy battlefield within, with all our tendencies, and engaging in that battle um, with the consciousness of la ilaha illallah. And uh, we call that, you know, the light or the sword of light. But one has to be very careful with one's metaphors these days, you know. But let's call it the wand of light in the, <laughs> in the tradition of Harry Potter. So the wand of light, <laughs> la 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 la, on the battlefield, you know, um, of all the limited tendencies, everything which calls for itself, uh, all the selfishness, you know, which then translates as selfishness. Um, egotism, uh, anger, greed, fear, all of these, engaging in that battle. Um, and then, but, you know, the light and the love is always victorious if, if we continue. And then we said we die. So that's the next phase. Is in, by engaging in this battle, we actually die. It's called dying before we die. So that the ego dies, realizes that it doesn't exist, essentially. The, our ego self, what we've identified as our self, as being. So we think we're the body, then we think, well, we're not the body, maybe the body passed away, but we're the emotions. And then, oh no, or we're the psychic self. So, but all of this, is, these are simply just like the clothing. These are simply the vessels of the true self, um, which is borderless and boundless and timeless and spaceless, as Rumi has said, and all the mystics have proclaimed. Um, so the ego self dies. And, you know, then we say, then the true self exists. And, um, and that we call the haq, the truth, reaching the level and the stage of truth. Um, but then there is a further level beyond that, and that's called the marifat. So we have different stages that have different names. And uh, the further stage is called marifat, which combines... It's the truth, you know, the boundless, borderless, nameless uh, truth, which then is re-embodied again in, in the human form. 
uh, with human, you know, but this time they're divine. So we say it is then the divine qualities in the appearance or in the shape of the human being. Uh, so then we become the true servant. At that level, we become fully servant. So we say servant is the highest level of the marifat, of human life. Because only then can we fully are serving God because we don't have our ego self battling anymore, uh, claiming um, you know, its own re- reality or sitting on the throne. And then the, the, the only one is sitting on the throne of our heart and uh, dispenses you know, life and, and all its beauty and mercy and love as it wills through our being. We have completely given ourselves up, uh, but not by will, although there is an intention there. And Islam says you are evaluated through your intention. So have the intention is very important, but ultimately it doesn't happen through our own intention. You know, And our intention is already like a symptom of the divine intention for us. Uh, it happens by divine grace, this whole journey and passage and dying. And then there's the, re- the resurrection uh, in ourself as the truth. And then the servanthood, becoming a servant, servant of humanity, servant of God. Yes. Hi, this is Andrea. I think you answered some of my question. But... Um, I was curious about your community, and you did mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Right. Um, I don't know where I think I read an article on Sufism somewhere, but your face is familiar. Were you ever have you ever done an article on, about a community? And I seem That's to cool. remember something right. something about Vermont. Vermont um, is uh, Vermont would be th- threshold, which would be Kamir Halminski. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and Kabir Halminski is one of the great translators of Rumi. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's initiated, he's carrying that tradition, actually. Okay. He's been initiated into it. And, mm-hmm. he, yeah. So Your face is very familiar. I think I, I've I, yeah, I've been in articles a couple yes. of. Oh, yes. I was in the New York Times. There we are. Wasn't oh, that, no, I wasn't. Was a magazine no, our community just was. Recently. Yeah. Yes. Our community was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So about our community? Mm-hmm. Well, you said those are our aspirations, what I've laid out <laughs> in the last yes. 45 yes. minutes. Yeah. Here in New York? But he means ev- everyone. He sees, you know, everyone is our community. <laughs> in other words, everyone. It's an all-inclusive. But you mean also in a more specific way. Well, the community what we call the specific Nur-Ashki, Jarahi community, are those you know, who've taken, received hand, it's called taking hand, receiving initiation, and you know, received this particular uh, seed of light. And um, it can be just to that point, and they can disappear. This has happened where people take initiation, you'll never see them again. Um, or it can be they'll return five years later, you know, uh, with an amazing life story to tell. Uh, or, you know, the, but it's a body. We call it a mystic body. Mystic body. Um, because we feel we are, you know, this one being. And we practice this, this being one, this unity, together, by joining together in the zikr, by going out uh, together, by uh, somehow our hearts are really merged. 
But in a certain sense, it's, it's a practice also for the greater mystical body, which is, you know, humanity. You know, and when I say humanity, I include, you know, the animals, the creatures, the, yeah. Can you just tell me how, if at all, Sufism is related to Shiite and Sunni uh-huh. yeah. uh, Islam? Thank right. You. Uh, Shiite and Sunni were certain divisions that appeared historically at a certain time um, that after the po- passing uh, of the Prophet, um, there was the, you know, what happened, we don't know. We just really say only God knows what really happened. But... To, to the appearance to some, the family of the Prophet, his beloved family, were mistreated. In fact, they became martyrs. Most of them were martyred uh, all down the line until the 12, 12 imams we speak of. I mean, the tradition speaks of it. And again, it's, um, the, so we, it's called the party of the, of the family, kind of like the families, um, because it's true that the family... His direct descendants, his, um, his daughter, Fatima, his son-in-law, Hazrat Ali, and they received the inner teaching. So what we speak out today so freely and joyfully, in those days it was not possible to speak out, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe, you know, the human had not evolved, the general consciousness had not evolved. So, but it didn't go just in the family line. The Shias tend to believe it went just in the family line, that transmission of the highest transmission. The family line is with some of the greatest vessels of its embodiment, uh, and they were martyred. So uh, caused contention, caused hatred, caused sadness, you know, first sadness and then anger. And there were, so the people who gathered around the family members to protect them, where they call themselves the Shia, the party of, you know, what they considered was the true inheritance. Um, but actually the transmission went out, took a few, you know, it also went out not just genetically. And, um, but so this division came very early on, and they felt that they were being, they were persecuted, no doubt. They, they were persecuted. And... Um, but Sufism is um, completely apart from that. It doesn't have anything to do with either Sunni or Shia. And although the Shias, the, where the lineage went then into Persia, became some of the greatest Sufis we know. You know, uh, that was like, you know, if you can look at cradles of civilization, you can look at cradles of Sufism. And there's no doubt that um, Persia was, you know, an enormous cradle of Sufism. If not the greatest, I don't know, you know. But because it also spanned a great time. Whereas the Ottoman Empire, which was also another great cradle, um, but it was shorter, brief, it was brief, and they inherited, really, the, from the, the Shia, from the... I don't even know if Rumi, for instance, himself calls himself a Shia. I don't know if the great mystics would even embrace that term for themselves, um, you know, Maybe in the very early days. I don't know. Since he doesn't know who he is. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they went beyond. Exactly. They don't know. They, they, they drop those identities. You know, because any identity will be different from something else. So therefore, it will be an opposition. For the one who, who is, feels they are the ocean, who have merged back into the ocean, they are everything. 
So they both. So we call ourselves Sunni and Shia. Um, you know, but which will bewilder some. But and beyond, <laughs> definitely beyond, because you know. But my husband Ali. So when he, you know, there, there it, it manifests in certain differences of things that are not so important, the way they do the prayers. Or. So when, the, yeah. when the tendency, the thing is that uh, some of these is like his, historians has put these names, had given birth mm-hmm. to things that it's, that it's not really there, but somehow took place and, some, and has become entity. When these tendencies were there, they didn't call themselves Shias or Sufi or any order mm-hmm. till it was very, very late. And some of the people used as a political movement to unite these people to be able to defend their country, or like Safavid dynasty. Uh, it, it was in the uh, uh, 15th or 16th century, used uh, Shias to be able to defend the country, Persian, from all the others. And then from there, the Sunnis came, which they, prof- they followed. But it's really, uh, and one major difference between Shia and Sunni is that, and it has nothing to do with historical, is that Shia believed that the transmission of prophecy started with Prophet Muhammad and went through her daughter, through son-in-law, and all their 12 grandsons. So the transmission lasts for over 230 years, rather than the hadith and all those things, divine direct transmission, because they saw them as a vessel of a prophethood all the way till the disappearance of the last imam. And in the, the Sunni, they see the only for 21 years, for the 23 years, so the, for the... The rightly the, guided halifs, it's called, through Ali. But also, but the real truth is that it, it, it goes on. It's a living tradition. So neither Shia nor Sunni see that it goes to, right to now. It comes all the way. So. It's political terms kind of being used and adapted and co-opted but it's not really has anything to do. When people started, like Sufi masters, they never had any order, just people loved to gather around them. They didn't call themselves anyway. Rumi never called himself anybody or anything. But there were terms going around. There were terms going like on, but later Arif on. or um, knowers or... Oh, hi. Oh, should I go? Yes. I'm over here. Yes, over here. <laughs> Over here. (laughs) Uh, This is Wendy. Um, I have kind of two beginner kind of questions. Can Mm -hmm. you explain um, both um, or either in daily practice or in some basic beliefs the difference between Sufism and mainstream Islam Mm -hmm. and also what the role, how much, or does everybody participate in the whirling dervish aspect of it, or is that specific, or mm-hmm. just a little bit more information mm-hmm. about that, because that's kind of right. what we know from the, right. you know, that's... Right. Well, I guess, you know, what, what I was saying earlier, it's the, the, the treasure of Islam, but again, it's like a treasury that people don't go to very much and open, and say, here's our inheritance. Um, as we said, you know, the, the inheritance is to find the truth. That's what it's about. That's why the tradition came in the first place, calling people to the truth, calling people to the source of love. 
Um, but from the very beginning, historically, there has been you know, a kind of difference uh, between the outer and the inner. And so um, the outer is what then you know, kind of becomes, concretizes as so-called Islam. Uh, and the inner is what takes shape as the mystical tradition. So all, all the, all the, most of the, you know, what, who we know, the saints of Islam, the saints of the tradition, the mystics, is the Sufi path. But most of them don't separate themselves. They, they see themselves fully as in the line of, you know, the prophet and his family or his inheritors. And simply as inheriting this light and, you know, bringing it to whatever uh, manifestation they're capable of. Uh, but there has always been a kind of, and it's most friendly, it's a dialogue. And then at the most difficult times, we know Sufis were killed. Um, so uh, when the outer authority, uh, which you know, is ruled by the people of power, to um, stop the truth from being spoken. Why? Uh, because they're afraid. Uh, basically, I think it's fear. But, you know, on more exterior levels, also because it undermines the material kingdom. Because often the, the wielders of that outer power, it went to, to the kings, to the, you know, people who were the rulers, worldly rulers. In fact, one of the very early divisions came at the time of um, Ali, who was the fourth caliph, after the prophet, who um, was, uh, you know, he's called the head of the mystics. I mean, he's extraordinary. He also could wield a sword, and um, it, which is for us in, in the, at this time a very kind of paradoxical combination. Because normally we think of mystics as people of peace, uh, but uh, he fought. Uh, but in the past, if we look historically, we will see that it existed in other traditions, you know, and um, in, the, in the Hindu tradition, they certainly had it, you know, the holy warriors and the mystic warriors, um, Arjuna was one of them. Um, so Ali was this, this kind of being. He was, his language was amazing. He was considered, you know, like the epitome of the Arabic language, his, his, his grasp, his poetry. Um, his memory for poetry, but his mystic path was, you know, what made him remembered to us, what makes him so dear to us, is the mystic um, treasure that was deposited in his heart. At the age of um, seven, um, his cousin, who was the prophet, he was the, the younger cousin of the prophet, who, and the prophet, as we know, was orphaned, and he went to live in the house of Ali. Ali was a child at the time. And when the Prophet received revelation at the age of 40, um, you know, at first he kept it for himself, only for himself and, and his wife Khadija. And then he was given the divine you know, order to go and share it with his larger family. So he made a feast. He cooked lamb and you know, made a beautiful feast and invited them all. And then he was told to share what he had received. And when he started sharing, they were so incensed because he was always seen as the orphan, 
as the illiterate one, as the one of low social standing, that when he began saying that God had chosen him to be, you know, a prophet, to bring a message, they were incensed. They got up uh, and uh, they, were, they, they said, you know, this is absurd. You know, you are the lowest among, because they had a very strong sense of social strata in the Arabs in those days. And, um, and yeah, well, they each, yeah. So this was calling to unity, to the oneness of reality. And, but, and Ali, at seven, ran to the Prophet, ran to Muhammad, and said, I will be your helper. Because the Prophet said, who in my family will help me to bring this message of love to the world? And they all stood up and left. And Ali ran at the age of seven. He ran and he said, I will be your helper. I am here for you. And this is enormous courage. Can you imagine? He broke with all of his family. In those days, social relations were so powerful. And the prophet pointed to him and said, he, and he pointed to all his other family members, and he said, he is your master. And that was the end of it, you know, <laughs> that a seven-year-old child is like Jesus in the temple, really. It's, a, it, you know, it's the same thing. And so uh, over and over again, historically, we see the same thing happening. You know, the light rising, showing itself, and then the denial, the fear. And uh, so they left. And that was a beginning, you know, kind of, of the, their long journey. But um, this was just to tell you about Ali. Ali was an inheritor of Sufism, of the mystic path. And um, uh, there were others who inherited that too. One of them was um, Abu Huraira, who was a companion at the time, who gave up anything, any livelihood, just to sit with the Prophet and hear him speak. Um, and later he told the community, he said, you know, what the Prophet has told me, has shared with me. He said, some of what he shared, I can share with you. He said, but if I shared the other part of it, you would chop my head off. So this is what, you know, we say is the mystic path, the, the part that you'd get your head chopped off for. In the, but it's, it's no longer true today. Thank God. You know, it's, it's an amazing time. We're in such a time of revelation. So the, what we call Islam is normally, you know, it's the first level. It's the Sharia level. It's the level of the law. It's the level of, it teaches a lot, though, you know. And again, there's so many differences. There's a great difference between Saudi Arabia, for instance, and, um, you know, certain parts of Malaysia um, uh, or, or Iran, not Iran today, but Iran of the past. Or, you know, so even the outer tradition will take many different forms and be either more rigid and narrow or more expansive and embracing of Sufi teaching. So there are times, like, uh, I know the Ottoman Empire because Sheikh Muzaffar spoke so much about it. He said that at certain times the sultans, a few a group of sultans, had mystic guides as their teachers. You know, um, they were the ones directing them and telling them, you know, uh, being their, their conscience. Their, you know, and we know this also in, in Christendom, you know, as the confessor or, and then you either more or less listen. But... Um, these Sufi sheikhs were powerful people. And so, um, but then at other times, the worldly rulers took off in the other direction and they started killing the Sufi guides because the Sufi guides were not speaking what they wanted to hear, you know. So it's, it's um, you know, it's kind of 
two parallel lines that sometimes meet and sometimes not. Today, there is um, quite a difference. Um, we strive to carry, you know, what we call sort of, you know, the full tradition, which is still only, you know, a job. Whatever, whatever one says when it's carrying anything, we can only say we're carrying a job of it. But to try to keep the two together. Um, but um, so, you know, so we will, we strive to keep the fast in Ramadan or, it's not very much actually, you know. A lot is made of it, but there are not that many. The fast and, 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 and the prayers of prostration, those are the two things that seem to identify the tradition of Islam the most, I would say. Um, and then the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca. And, um, but, you know, there are times when we pull very strongly, and, you know, away. The main thing is the heart, where we are in, in the heart. Everything else can drop away, really. And the zikr. That's our, our main inheritance, is the zikr.